people. We're back. Sort of cool show. Here we My are. Man. What's this up? This is it, man. Brand new week. Brand new. I love oh, it. Yeah. I love it. Listen, here, here, here in Nashville, the weather has been so whacked out. We had this crazy, last night, crazy storms, wind blowing, hail, all kinds of crap. We did Today, too. sunny and like almost 70 degrees. Beautiful, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tomorrow, 70% chance of snow. What? <laughs> no, y'all got that for real tomorrow? Yes, that's our that's the plan. That's the plan See, for we had tomorrow. the we had the big thunderstorm roll through here last night and today it was rainy and misty and about 60. I don't know what tomorrow is, but dude, y'all got some snow mate coming like how many inches know. are they calling for, man? That's I don't awesome. know, man. I, I wish we get it's, like it's... 6 feet. Look, here's the thing. We'll get we'll get 2 inches of snow and it'll be gone by noon. I mean, it's just the way it works around here. But school's it's just been close. It's just insane. It's just insane. Thinking about things. Yeah. Outside of weather, I had another question to throw at you this week. So um, my question is this. When you started listening to music as a kid, how long was it did it take you before you started looking at back catalog and deep cuts and really getting into stuff that maybe other people wouldn't know about the band or the artist? Yeah, so for me... You know, when I when I was when I was younger, so my dad had a bunch of records. He had a bunch of Got vinyl. Uh, he had uh, he had full albums, LPs, mm-hmm. and then he had a, mm-hmm. a big box of forty fives. Sure. And my mom, uh, my mom and dad had given me a Mickey Mouse record player, and there it played forty fives. Yeah, it played forty fives. So okay. I would listen. I would just grab forty fives and just listen to stuff. I didn't know who anyone was. I just okay. listened. You know, okay. it was fun. It was fun for me to take that record and put it on a player and drop the needle. That was just fun. Mm-hmm. It was like, yeah, I saw absolutely. my dad do it on yep. his record player and I wanted to do it on mine, you know? So I didn't really, I didn't know what a hit was. I didn't listen to radio. I mean, it was just kind of, I just listened to whatever I had available to me. Mm-hmm. Now, later when I was, uh, I guess I was probably, gosh, I don't know, 10, 10, 11, somewhere in that range. Um, I remember I got my first cassette. My grandma actually bought it for me. She was with me at the time. And um, I, I was carrying around autograph sign in, please. You know, the wow. turn up the radio was on. That was a big yeah, deal on that record. Sure. So I was carrying that cassette around in the store and she was like, hey, what is what is that? And I was like, you know, it's just this tape, whatever. And, and she goes, well, I'll buy it for you if you want it. And I was like, oh, wow. OK, great. So she buys it for me. And it's the first real it's the first full length cassette slash album that I chose for myself okay. that I okay. wanted to listen to. Right. Right. I only knew the one song. I only knew Turn Up the Radio. So I get the cassette. I get it home and I listen to it and I listen front to back. I listen to All of Side 1. I listen to All of Side 2. I flip it back oh. over. I listen to All of Side 1 again. And then All okay. of Side 2. Then I put it in my in my boom box and I take it outside and I'm shooting basketball and I'm listening to you know, all these songs from this cassette. And I know that Turn Up the Radio was the hit, Mm -hmm. but I loved all the other songs too. I I just loved them. And and it's so funny because I have that album on vinyl now. Yeah. And I'll drop I'll drop the needle and I'll listen and it just brings back all these memories. That's right. Of those times. And and it's not about it's not about a hit song really for me. Mm -hmm. It's about the memory that that song brings when I listen to it. Exactly. As I got older and got into some of the more classic rock, everybody knew, like for Sticks, everybody knew Come Sell Away, right? You're, oh, I love Come Sell Away and, you know, whatever. But, man, I was like, but have you heard Lorelei? You know, and have you heard Light Up? And yeah, yeah and I did that with all the bands. So I would, I would go back and listen. I became more than just a listener of just the hits because there's a lot of people, like you just said, 
they know the one or two or three songs by that artist. But yeah. they forget, man, all the great st- and some of the greatest stuff is stuff you never hear. Journey was a lot like that for me. It was just like, okay. you know, I heard uh, Love and Touch and Squeezing was the very first Journey song I heard. And then Lights was the next one I heard. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if those were new songs or old songs. I mean, I was yeah. a kid. I was probably six or seven. But when you go back and look at it, you know, if you if you time that up right from when I remember hearing those songs to, you know, to when they were released, it was right mm-hmm. around that time. So those those were fairly new songs. You know, well, I guess what those songs came out in 1979, 1980, somewhere in that range. I'd been listening to them for years before you were listening to them, right? And (laughs) I was just, yeah, as I was listening to Journey, Will in the Sky, Lights, and all that, you know, when they first came out on those records. And so you're introduced to them later. And that's interesting, man, because, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, tonight tonight's a really great show. I'm really looking forward to to kind of digging into this one. Tonight, we're going to talk about two really, really great records, very different records mm-hmm. from, at the time, very different bands. However, their fan bases over time have really kind of come together. And I think people who listen to one band definitely listen to the other. Yes. And that's even yes. proven by the fact that these bands tour together very frequently. That's so right. we're going to touch on Journey Frontiers, mm-hmm. which released on February 1st, 1983. And yep. then we're also going to talk in depth about Def Leppard Pyromania, which released just a little bit earlier, January 20th, 1983. Right. A month apart, basically, right? Roughly yes. a month apart. Yeah. Yes. These, these are two enormously successful records. Yes, they are. You know, Journey had just come off of Escape, which was a powerhouse smash hit. It's really what mm. took Journey to the next level. That Escape yeah. record was was their hysteria, basically, right? It was, it was their record that just put them at the at the upper echelon of arena rock bands. Yes, with the hits on their open arms, especially, and of course, Don't Stop Believing was oh, massive, huge, huge song. Who's crying now? Yeah. Um, stone in love you know and you can keep going like i think we we've covered this record that record before and there's not a bad song on the whole record not one i was in college when this record came out i was like a freshman or sophomore in college and i remember because escape was out because i saw that tour my freshman in october my freshman year in college in 1981 and then this one came out a couple years later and or a year and a half later basically and i remember when this came out because, you know, again, we didn't have internet. So I didn't, we didn't have social media or internet to tell us to play us a song right before it came out. So we were anticipating the new journey record. And I remember hearing the first song separate ways and thinking, Oh my gosh, this is amazing, amazing song. And I, I fell in love with this whole record, man. When it came out, I was in college. A lot of us did. Yeah, Frontiers was such a su- such a fantastic follow up to Escape. I mean, it produced another slew of massive hits, like you said, Separate Ways, mm. Faithfully. I mean, yes. here's the thing: you've got a band that produces a song like Open Arms, right? Which you know we talked last week on our show about. You know, it's a prom song, right? It's a right. prom yeah, theme, exactly. whatever. Right. And then right. Faithfully, the very next record. I-, I think there's magic that happened when Jonathan Cain joined that band. I agree, totally. You know, totally. it's like. Prior to Steve Perry, right? Steve's Steve's first record was in 1978 on Infinity. Yes. Uh, Greg Raleigh had been singing prior to that. That's right. So That's Steve right. Perry comes in and takes over the the vocals in 1978. Now, prior to that, they really didn't have any hit records. 
And they had they had three albums prior to that. They didn't really have any hits. And plus, and they were ninth, kind of jazz fusion. They were. It's they a jazz fusion. As well. yeah, they weren't nothing like band. they are now. Right. Exactly. No, not even close. And so Steve Perry comes along, and his vocal brings a whole new dynamic. And really, mm. his co-writing ability brings a new dynamic. Sure. He's a really, really good songwriter. And Absolutely. so that first record that he that he records on does three million copies. That's more than their whole catalog had ever sold yeah, prior, prior to him joining. So then Evolution comes out, Evolution, three million, right. and then they do this in the beginning, which was kind of a it was the it was the first three albums prior to Steve Perry. It was like a greatest right. hits that mm-hmm. did nothing. Then sure. Departure, they sold three million. And then they did that um, Dream After Dream, which is like a yeah, random weird movie soundtrack from Japan very or something. Weird. Right. Anyway, very weird. that that did nothing. And then they did Captured, which was a live record. That sold $2 million. Which is one of my favorite Journey records. And, Absolutely. Then, Absolutely. and then the very first record with Jonathan Kane, Escape. Nine, Nine million, million copies. It's un- un- unreal. It basically equaled... It equaled the previous three albums that's from yeah. Steve Perry's career with with them, right? In one album, they did that. The marriage between Steve Perry and Jonathan Cain was just pure magic. It was. There was no doubt when he, you know, and Jonathan came from the babies. You know, he he came from that camp, I think. And I know he was with the babies. I think yep. he, that was the band he played with before that. Yeah, John John Waite. John Waite. Yeah. Yep. And so he comes over. You know, and by that time, Greg Raleigh had exited. Yes. You know, and and he was the primary songwriter. Um, on the um, the live record you mentioned, uh, a few, captured. Uh, um, captured. You know, the first two songs on that record are Greg Raleigh singing. Mm-hmm. You know, and then Steve Perry comes in. Um, but yeah, so by this time, Greg Raleigh had exited. Kane comes in, and everything just blows up like right it's it's fireworks it's insane so that was escape and then obviously the very next record was frontiers and that's again jonathan kane and steve perry's writing ability neil sean obviously co-wrote on some songs and and a few others but but frontiers did six million and then raised on radio did two million and then they kind of took that hiatus for a very long time and then came back with trial by fire in 1996 Mm -hmm. that did that did a million i think the the point of the point that i'm trying to make here with the the Steve Perry Jonathan Kane type era of Journey is that prior to Steve Perry Journey was kind of nothing. Steve Perry comes along, turns them into like they were huge, right? They're stars, right. sure, sure. And then Jonathan Kane comes along and turns them into mega superstars. Bigger and then stars, yeah. and then when Steve Perry leaves, they go back to being nothing. Right. That's kind right. of like the first three albums. Even and so, Jonathan was still there too. Even and with Jonathan so, still yeah. there. So yeah, I, right. it's, it's so, it's so crazy. Cause you're kind of like, okay, Steve Perry took him to another level. Right. Mm-hmm. But then when Jonathan Kane came along, it, it just took him into the stratosphere. That's right. But it's the Jonathan Kane, Steve Perry show. That's what mm-hmm. it is. Without right. the two of them, journey is just another band. They are man. Because that, that, that combination of writing, like Lennon, I, I dare say it, Lennon McCartney, you know, you don't. I can't go. I can't go there. I can't go there either. I'm but, not going but, there. But, I'm just, but I but get I'm, what you're saying. I my get point what you're is you got a team that writes great yes. hits together. When I was in 1984, Steve, I quit college and I moved up to Indianapolis to play in a band. Now, this was not a band that did anything other than play in bars every night somewhere up in Indiana. And they were not just any bar; they were biker bars. And yeah. but I thought I was a rock star because oh, yeah. I was on my own at 19 years old and playing in a bar band. And I was dating my now wife 
and I sent her a letter, and the only thing I wrote were the lyrics to Faithfully. Because <laughs> when you <laughs> in love with the music, man, and I thought, hey, man, listen, but hey, every every guy, every guy that's in a band has that's kind of been the song with their girlfriend, <laughs> right? Is, it's it just is, the man. way it is, man. It I remember is. my wife and I would do we, you know, we'd listen to that song anytime before we get ready to leave it on the road. It was just like, sorry, honey, you know, you're married, you're you're hanging out with the music, man. That's the way it goes. That's right. That's the life. <laughs> <laughs> so here's so here's the thing. Another thing that I really loved about Journey was their album covers. Oh, I did too. I felt like they had such cool album yes. covers. Now they they had that kind of theme with that beetle or whatever it yeah, was. Yeah, exactly. You know, I never ever understood it. I don't understand it at all, but I, I did sure. I did kind of love how they also had a little bit of a like a little bit of a thematic kind of thing with their album titles as well, you know, and it kind of went along with the band name of Journey, you know. Journey, right. Infinity departure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, and then, you know, they had Arrival back later on right. after Steve Perry, when Steve Algieri was mm -hmm. the lead singer. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just, it's just so wild, man. Their album covers are really cool. And, you know, and, and you know, we talked about the, the Steve Perry, Jonathan Cain mix. Yeah. And, you know, they both have solo records, too. Sure they do. Which, I, there's a couple Steve Perry songs that were smash hits. Big radio you know, songs. Sherry, you did. Oh yeah, Foolish man. Heart. Oh, Foolish Huge. Heart. One of my favorite songs. I love it. It's and the great. thing about it is, it it sounds like Journey. You know what I mean? It does. It's kind of like ooh. You know, you almost feel bad for Neil Sean and the and the guys because it's like, man, Steve Perry. Kind of that. That's our signature sound. His vocal. His vocal is our sound. Yeah, and that could those two songs, which I think it was around eighty four, eighty five when that record came out, and those yeah. videos were on night tracks and Man. whatever else, you know. Remember night tracks and all that, and you know they were so good songs, but they could have been Journey songs. I mean, oh, yeah. they were they were they were just like Journey. Now, Jonathan Cain's stuff, not so much. I didn't love it. Journey, I didn't love it at all. But Steve Perry stuff, yeah, man, I, I love that. I, I have that solo record, and I, I love it. I think yeah. it's such a, it's such a timepiece. Yeah, you know, I have it too. It's, it's so good going back in there. Yeah, but Old Sherry was the, was the lead off, and it was a great song. But Foolish Heart was hands down the winner. I mean, that was so just good. a great pop rock ballad, you know. Yeah, so good. It's funny because in my journey, the journey playlist that I have. I actually have those two Steve Perry songs yeah. in that playlist. I do too. <laughs> Just because it's like, you know, I mean, I'm not I don't have I don't have enough Steve Perry songs to make a Steve Perry playlist. So I have to kind of add right. him into the journey. And it doesn't it, you don't even miss a beat, man. It sounds it sounds like those could be journey songs. Yeah, and when he when he first starts, you know, and you know that you you know it when he goes, I should have been gone, the very oh, first line. Yes. And it's just it's just like, oh my God, that's that voice. You yeah. know? And oh man, you ain't man. So I never great. I never got no. to I've seen Journey a bunch of times, but I've yeah. never seen them with Steve Perry. You have, obviously. Yeah, I have. I he's have. goofy as heck, right? He's not quite as goofy as David Lee Roth, but he's a goofy dude. When I saw him was the in the era of the long tuxedo coat. Oh yeah. Uh -huh. And the white and blue red Nike Cortez and the tiger and the, che and the cheetah shirt and the cheetah shirt and the <laughs> jeans. Yes, and I just remember he had some cool things he did on stage, especially yeah. when it came to crowd interaction. But he also had some very very goofy leg moves, yeah. and I was like, <laughs> "Okay, dude, you don't ever need to do that again." But who cared? It sounded because when he when you're sitting in that Coliseum and that voice yeah. is coming out, 
ain't nothing like it, man. But yeah, the but the you show know, itself was amazing. Yeah. You know what's crazy? So Steve Perry has had a, a massively successful career as an artist mm. and a singer. But I think he was immortalized in that YouTube video of him singing Don't Stop Believing at the Giants, San Francisco Giants World no Series doubt. in the stands. No doubt. And everybody was around him and he was like mouthing his own words and stuff. That <laughs> yes, was and he was leading great. the crowd in the song. I just thought that was so funny and so brilliant. And it's the crazy thing about it is everybody knew who that was. But I promise sure. you, if it was Neil Sean standing up and doing that, They'd have no idea who that guy was. Like, who's, that random, who's that random dude just like sit down? We can't see. Song. I that's know. It'd be, you know, sit down. And, and that's the crazy thing about it is that Steve Perry is the star. He is the sound of Journey, and yeah. he is the face of Journey. He and is. he'll always forever be that, no yeah. matter who they have singing, no matter that's right. no matter what Neil Sean tries to do. I know he's the man. It's his band. He owns it. Yeah. But <sighs> the band in the people's eyes and my eyes. It's Steve Perry. And in my eyes, it's the guys from Escape Tour. Yeah. That's what I think of when yeah. I think of Journey. Now, now I've said it on this show. I love Arnell. I do. I love his story. I love his voice. But as we many people have said, it's kind of a cover thing because you've got a guy that sounds like Steve and we're singing Steve's songs, you know? And, yeah. you know, and hey, but that Journey will... They'll always still be able to come it, once COVID's over, give us the shows, and we'll always get to go hear those journey tunes. And it'll, yeah. you close your eyes and feel like you're hearing Steve, Steve yeah. Perry. And then they, you know, they went on further and, and even even kept the tradition going with the end of the Sopranos. You know, with the yeah. It, and David Chase, who created the Sopranos, made the comment that of all the weird stuff on the Sopranos, music-wise. That was one of the poppiest things on there because he just absolutely loved the song, you yeah. know. And so he adds it at the very end. But yeah, going back to uh, to uh, this record right here, I think it was a home run, especially when you are following up something as successful as Escape, because yeah. that is that had to be pressure. It's that so had much pressure. to be so much pressure. But to write a song like Faithfully. I mean, that's yeah. one of my favorite Journey songs. Dude, that's a solo Jonathan Kane. He wrote that thing 100% Did by himself. Did he really? Yeah. I didn't know he wrote that by yeah. himself. Yeah. Yeah, and so there's several songs on here. I even like Chain Reaction. You know, for, but for the most part, it's it's a home run in my book. It's a good record. When you look at it front to back, you take it as a whole project, it's a really, really good record. Yes. Now, look, let's move to Def Leppard Pyromania, which is one of the greatest rock records of all time. I will agree. I will agree. Totally. I mean, these guys were kids when this Very. came out. I mean, I say kids. They were, no, they I would were. say, late teens, early 20s when this record Absolutely. came out. When I saw them, they were all 15 and 16. Yeah. And that was in high and dry. Yeah. And yeah. And then definitely, you know, and then this record comes out a few years later. Right. And they were still not even out of their teen years yet. <laughs> this, this record is one, of, is one of the, one of the albums that gets the distinct uh, RIAA cert certification of diamond. All right. You ever really? you heard of gold records, platinum oh, yeah. records, there are diamond records and those are the ones that sell 10 million. And so this is this is one of the biggest records that's ever been created. You're wow. right. It sold over yeah. two million copies just in the US. Yes. Um, this is the first album with Phil Collin. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people think right. Phil Collin was has always been the guitar player no. in Germany. Mm -hmm. Um and, and it just wasn't. There was a guy named Pete Willis. And Oops. 
you know, I mean, he's a rock and roll guy, right? Most of these guys have alcohol problems, yeah, and, sure. and it got the best of him, and they mm -hmm. kicked him out of the band. Um, but not before he got to write Photograph and Too Late for Love. <laughs> so I think, oh, okay. I think he's somewhere on the countryside, you know, sipping on a glass of wine and, and eating you know, <laughs> doing something, man, I'm telling you. Yeah. When they finally decided to kick uh, Pete out of the band, uh, they called him and said, hey, can you come and, and audition? And they were actually making the Pyromania record at the time. Wow. So, um, so that's really book? good. Phil's book? Yep. I have, have read not. that. It's no, very, you need to read that. It is extremely good. Extremely good. There's a lot about Phil Collin that you don't, he's, you know, you don't know a whole lot about him. You know, you yeah. just know he's the guy that don't wear the shirt. Who's he's 63 the guy's and looks like he's a freaking a bodybuilder, you know. He's completely ripped. Well, you know, what happened was he, he was, he was like totally like, he kept he was he was an alcoholic. I mean, he was just sure. like, you know, on the road drinking too yep. much. And yep. it got the best of him and he got tired of living that lifestyle. And like uh at some point in the, you know, after the Pyromania record and, and you know, kind of probably I would say it's probably right around the hysteria album ish, somewhere in that range. Yeah. He he cleaned up and he quit yep. drinking. He quit uh, you know, he started taking care of his body, started yes. incredibly healthy and man, the guy looks he does. Like a million bucks, man. 63, yeah. man. He looks, he looks like great. that. And so it was not only was it a good move for Phil Collin personally, but it was a great move for Def Leppard, too. I think so, man. I mean, look, here, here's the thing. They're one of the few bands that has two lead guitar players. Yeah, they do. That's right. You know, he's a lead player. Right. And and Steve Clark was a lead player. That's and right. now Vivian Campbell mm -hmm. is the lead player in place sure. of Steve Clark. And then Phil Collin is a lead player. So they swap off. They swap off leads. And, and I think it's great to be able to have two guys that are that good that can put their egos aside and allow another equally yes, good guitar player to take totally, over the guitar man. solo duties, yeah. which is cool. Yeah, I remember when um, I remember what was do you know Steve what the first single off this record was was it Rock of Ages or was it Photograph do you know the first thing on this record was Photograph okay yeah Rock of Ages was second then Full and then Too Late for Full. Love okay so I remember when the first single came out again as a college sophomore or freshman or whatever back in yeah. 83 and watching that video show called Night Tracks out of Atlanta um and I remember the video came on and it was all you saw was the British stuff, you know, oh, yeah. and, but the song just, it wasn't so much the video that grabbed me. It was the song. I mean, yeah. it just absolutely. And I actually went out and got this record because I, like I said, I'd already seen this band two years prior, you know, um, when they first came to the States with Ted Nugent and Scorpions and they opened. And so I'd already seen them before I ever got to college when they were just kids, real kids. And that was that's unbelievable now that I think back and think I saw this, these guys when they were like <laughs> half I'm morning enough to drive yet. And they Crazy. were there with Scorpions and Nugent. Yeah. And so when this record came out, I actually went and bought it and man, I, I think I played it nonstop for a while. It, I love, love, love this record. Probably. So the, yeah. So the Love. first time I heard this record, um, I didn't hear the whole record. I heard some of the songs. I was with my cousin. Uh, his name's Jason. He was older than me. And he had this cassette. And he introduced me to a lot of really great music. He introduced me to Quiet Riot, Metal Health. Wow. Uh, he introduced me to this uh, this record. He introduced me to skateboarding, Tony Hawk and Heck yeah. Caballero and Mike McGill, Heck the Bones yeah, Brigade and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. And I mean, he was very, he was very, he probably doesn't know this, but he's very influential in my mm -hmm. life and um, sure. from in a, in a cool way. 
Um, well, I remember we were in the car. Um, he wasn't driving. He wasn't old enough to drive at the time, but I remember the Foolin was on the, from the cassette. Yeah. It came on and it's the listening to this song. When I was a kid, this was the first time that I realized that I, that I think I want to do something with music. Wow. Now, I had no idea what that meant. I didn't sure. know if that meant I wanted to play music or I had no I didn't know anything. And sure. the reason I'll tell you that is because I remember listening to this song and I remember playing along to the drums mm -hmm. with my hands on my knees and there tapping my foot and I remember anticipating what the beat was going to do. I, okay. I anticipated what the drums were going to do. Sure. It felt so natural to me. Yeah. That I was like, wow, that's weird. Like it, it was just weird because I was like, how did I know that was going to happen? Right. There's that's just, awesome. there was just this instinct inside of me that knew this is what's next in a song like that's this. This is so how it works. It was so weird. Cool. And I was probably 1983. I was eight years old. So mm -hmm. I'm going to say I had to be either eight or nine when this happened. I didn't start playing drums until I was in the seventh grade. I was, I was what, 11? So five, twelve, five years later. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it was just a, it was just such a crazy thing. And I always look back on that and remember that was the one, and that was the very first time that I ever remember going, man, I, there's something here. There's something that moves me deeply yeah. inside. Sure. And I, and I don't know what it means yet, but I, yeah, I have cool, to figure man. out what that is. It's such a cool thing. And that's why this record will always have a special place in my heart. Sure, man. Yeah. And that, I love that story. And I love that because again, as we've talked on this show plenty of times, it is the memories of like you were talking about that experience with you. And I remember, you know, when I went off to college, I was bound to determine I would not come home for like five or six weeks. I was, I was independent, buddy. I was on my own. I wasn't coming home and I only lived two hours from home when I went to school. But I remember one thing this video, this uh, record reminds me of is those times that I did come home. And I grew up in a small town with a lot of buddies there and, and all my friends were home. If I would come home on a Friday after classes and I'd get home late afternoon, early evening, and the video show always started like 11 o'clock. So it was on Friday and Saturday night and it would go to like 4 a.m. or 5 a.m., right? I think every time I was home, I watched every single video, man, because it was that was all so new. We didn't have cable, so I couldn't see MTV at that time. All I saw was the the video show out of Atlanta, but I watched every video and they played these Def Leppard videos. And I associate those memories with coming home on the weekends. So that that's one of the reasons I love this record so much, not just because the songs are so great. You know, I'd also seen the band <laughs> two years yeah. prior, but it also brings back the memories of me coming home back to my friends and family in college, you know, just yeah. these videos. So yeah. cool. So two Really great records, very different in a sense. I, I would say Frontiers from Journey is more of an arena rock record. Sure. I think Pyromania is, I would probably consider that a hard rock record for the time. It's probably I would be considered hard rock today, but right. in 1983, it was a hard rock record. So very, yeah. very different. But as time has gone on, the fan bases have kind of come together. So if you're a Journey fan, you're probably a Def Leppard fan, you know, or yeah. and vice versa. So mm -hmm. knowing that these records are so vastly different, you can only own one of them. That's right. Which one do you own? Well, it, this is honestly, man, I was thinking about this. This is really hard for me because I love that Journey record, but I love Def Leppard more. You told me one time that Hysteria is your favorite Def Leppard record. Am I correct in it saying is. that? It is. Okay. Yeah. This is my favorite one. 
and it goes more than just the songs. I, you know, Billy's Got a Gun is also one of my favorite songs on this record, and it's not even a, it's the last song on the record, right. you know, but yeah. I love it. Um, but if I've got to, if I've got to choose one of those two records, because I know I already have Escape on the island with me, I have my journey fix. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You do. So, and I only like the first side of hysteria for the most part. <laughs> yes. I am going to say that I believe honestly that the stronger record is even his, uh, Def Leppard. And I'm going to take that one. How about yeah. you? Yeah, I think I, I think I tend to agree. Um, you know, for me, Def Leppard was just more in my, um, I guess kind of as I was growing up, Def Leppard was the band that sure. was just, it was, they were just more prevalent in, yep. in, the, in the day that I was, that I was growing up and, and listening to music. I love Journey and there's a lot of really special memories in my life of, of Journey, but it's not sure. necessarily this one record. For yeah, me, right, it's right. kind of, you know, I, when I came in and, you know, you, you gotta think Journey's first record was in 1975, the year mm -hmm. I was born. Wow. And so wow. it's like, I can't, it's hard for me to, you know, I, it's, it's, it's just, a, it's a different thing. And so sure. for me, you know, at least I was, at least I was five years old when Def Leppard came on the scene. You know what I mean? Right. So I was, I, you know what I mean? Like I was listening to music more often, you know, and it was current. And sure. so, and, and again, the special memories that I have around this record and, and, you know, how it really moved me to, to a point mm -hmm. where, I was just like, I have to, I have to have music in my life. This was the record that did that. And then, you know, other records came along that, that pushed oh, me even further, but absolutely. this was the one that kind of started it for me in that regard. And so I'm going to have to go cool with Pyromania. Story. Yeah. I, and I figured you would anyway, cause I know you're a big Def Leppard fan on the Island. You can have one. So I think we both have the same <laughs> record, but yeah, man, two, you two know, and on your, and on your podcast two. Island, this is the podcast <laughs> you have to have, you know, and you can hey, find hey, us hey, anywhere, like anywhere like you listen it. to podcasts. Anyway. And, and the great thing is, is we're, we're, we're going to be here again. We're going to be here next week. It's what we do. It's how we work. And I'll see you later, dude. See you, bro. Have, have a good one. Care. Bye.